Hi, this is Debbie Morgan, Executive Director of Zeitgeist. And uh, today we just wanted to have a quick little conversation as a precursor, a preview, if you will, of our Beatles workshop that's coming up on Sunday, September 29th. So with me here, I have Mitch Cohen, a spiritual director here in Atlanta, a rabbi and a big Beatles fan. I have Kenny Howes, noted Beatles expert, musician, and uh, side note, he and some friends will be performing a concert later that night. If you'd like to hear Abbey Road and Let It Be performed live, we can tell you where to do that. And also joining us is Lee Flyer, guitarist for the Kenny Howes and the Wow, and also Kenny Howes and Friends, and another big Beatles nerd. So, we just wanted to give you guys a taste of what the workshop might entail. Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to talk about spirituality and the Beatles? So my first question is, like, is that even a legitimate conversation? Do we find spirituality in the lives or the music of the Beatles? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's some of it is. Uh, it's it's not waving a flag that has spirituality written on it, but it's uh, I mean it, it, it dips, you know it manifests itself in that from time to time, but it's not it's not as on the front burner as it is perhaps with a band like U two or something. Right. They're not preaching. Yeah, so it's, it's not about religion; it's about spirituality. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rich, as a rabbi, what do you think the difference is between spirituality and religion? Well, uh, you know, in my mind, religion is a set of prescribed practices and, and rituals that people abide by, uh, usually because they were born into it. Where spirituality um, is really people that want to experience something uh, that's meaningful and larger than themselves outside the context of a particular prescribed set of rituals and practices. Wow, I mean, that's a great definition. <laughs> yeah. So how would we say that the Beatles were doing that, either in their lives or their music, that looking for something bigger than themselves? It's an extension of their, um, their experiences with, with drugs. They've said it in pretty much plain English that um, that after having various experiences with drugs, and not hard drugs, not, you know, quote-unquote scary drugs like heroin or cocaine or anything like that, but with, with you know, their the, they're, they're well-documented... And uh, Yes, well, their well-documented uh, trips into psychedelia, uh, that, they, um, that they said, okay, we've done that, so now what's next and is, what's, the, what's the thing that is bigger? And then uh, that uh, historic, as everyone knows, if historically they, they went from, straight from there into uh, transcendental meditation um, and had already been, again, dipping their toe in the pool of, of uh, Eastern philosophy via their interest in Indian music and so on. I actually feel that their music has always had a spiritual element before the drugs. I think the drugs just kind of brought it out more or made them more conscious of it. Say um, more about that, Lee. Uh, it just, there's so much of a, there's, there's such a loving family vibe about them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they really were close in a way that, you know, I mean, John and Paul both lost their moms, and that was kind of one of the basis for their relationship. And they're so, their feelings are so raw in all of their music, even the early stuff where there's nothing really um, blatantly spiritual as it became later. But I think that part of the reason they got into TM and things like that later was because it kind of calmed those voices in them that they were already expressing, um, hmm. you know, and, and the drugs kind of made them, like I said, conscious of it. But I've always felt like there was a spiritual dimension to their music and their whole vibe, you know. It just, everything about them was so, so much that way. And that's why people still remember <laughs> them, you know. Yeah. I th- because, I mean, I'm a nerd about other bands too, but... Um, there, there's something about their music that, you know, all ages appeals to all ages and it appeals, you know, it's just got this universal appeal and I think it's because there's so much love there, you mm. know, of, of a higher uh, caliber <laughs> than most of us will ever get to. So. Yeah, yeah. One, now, one of the things that gave me the idea for the workshop a long time ago was um, Kenny and I had the, the wonderful, wonderful opportunity of meeting Danny Harrison, George's son, and Shortly thereafter, in all of my dreams, George Harrison was a representation for God. He became my God image. And I think that was through Danny because there was something about his presence. Mm -hmm. But now, Danny's the son. I mean, Lee, you met George himself. I mean, what was your experience of being, hanging out with him for an evening? Uh, (laughs) He was, uh, I didn't really know what to expect because I didn't ever expect to meet him. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting to meet him that night, let alone hang out with him and talk to him for, for you know, hours. But uh, I don't want to tell Lee's story for her, but just to be clear, it was in a group setting. <laughs> We're yes. saying, oh, she hung out with George for a night. Uh, well, it was, yeah, it was yeah, a group it setting. It wasn't quite true. naughty, but... No, uh, it wasn't naughty. Uh, his wife was there. And, uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean it wasn't naughty. No, that's true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was, it was basically George and, and his wife, Olivia, and Ringo and his wife, and Derek Taylor was there, the Beatles uh, publicist. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, that was that was pretty crazy. Uh, but George was the one that I uh, just really uh, gravitated toward immediately. And he actually started the conversation with me which I which blew my mind, <laughs> uh, but it was it was clear from being around him for five minutes that his personality was never very su- well suited to being a rock star. He was very much an introvert and wanted to zero in on a couple people and have a deep conversation rather than be the life of the party, which was more Ringo's style. You know, mm-hmm. he Ringo likes being in a room and he likes to work the room and he likes to go talk to everybody. And he's really cool that way, too, um, you know, trying to really, uh, really touch as many people as possible, I guess. You know, it's a different style than George. But George wanted to, uh, his three favorite subjects were music, gardening, and spirituality. And as far as he's concerned, they're all related. Mm. And those are like my three favorite subjects. <laughs> so I was like, okay, then, right. <laughs> I'm just going to talk to you. And then... Uh, yeah, he was he was pretty amazing. Um, there there were so, I mean there were so many things. I don't know if you have specific questions, but it was just well. Uh, let, let's save some of that for the workshop on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, isn't that interesting? Music, gardening, and spirituality 
being connected, right? I mean, that reminds me of uh, Richard Rohr's newest book and podcast talking about the Christ that is in everything and everything is in the Christ energy. Yeah, um, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's as far as I'm concerned, they're all connected too because music makes you use all of your brain and all of your heart and all of your everything, all of your energy and and mm -hmm. gardening is kind of a way to uh, to see that about the world. Like you see how everything in the world is interrelated. You see all the how the soil and the plants and the all the different insects and stuff that you know how they all interrelate. So it's always been really spiritual to me. Yeah. Uh, One that I tag on to what Lee was saying about about George Harrison, because as far as the, your question about when there might have been this shift. Mm -hmm. I always felt from what I read that it was George who wanted to stop touring, you know, okay. in the, what was that, 66. And that sort of coincided with the, the trips to, to India mm -hmm. and, uh, and the shift in, in their music. And as far as what, what George contributed, you know, on, on Revolver, I, I, we talked about that before. I think that was an album of, tran of transition. Mm -hmm. So I think George was always the one, to Lee's point, you know, that saw music as the language of the soul. And mm -hmm. so his spiritual journey and being a musician were one and the same. It was it was flip sides of the same coin. You know, he was expressing. And also to, to Lee's point, I always thought with John and Paul having lost their mothers, mm -hmm. um, coming over <clears> here <throat> tonight, I was listening to the Beatles channel, which I do often, and there was a very short little snippet from Paul. And he talked about, and he literally said, you know, playing guitar, playing piano is a wonderful way to deal with your darkness when it comes up. He said, you literally go in a little corner of a room and you work through all this emotion through a song that you write. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that kind of supports what he was saying is that for the two of them, their early experiences of songwriting, playing music was a way for them to deal with their grief, you know, which is a spiritual act in and of itself. Right. And and right. also, you know, especially at that time, you know, men in England and, and at that time and everything, you were supposed to not have emotions mm -hmm. or show them. Right. But you could do it. But they figured out a way to do it, you know, through music. And uh, so I, 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 I agree. I think I think George was more conscious of the, the music being the the language of the soul. Yes, they didn't just all of a sudden wake up and boom, become a thing. So in their early days, they didn't go from being this little band playing in their hometown to being on Ed Sullivan. That They took logical steps up, and it was always a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And I think that that, I mean, you know, the, the title of this talk on Sunday is the evolving consciousness. And I think that the thing... It's, uh, that's, that's remarkable about the Beatles is that they didn't, I mean, something like Sergeant Pepper might've flipped people's minds over, upside down in their heads because, uh, of their image, something as silly as they grew mustaches made, you know, made, made them go, Oh, the Beatles are so different now. Um, but it's really not, uh, it's a logical progression. Mm -hmm. from one thing to the other until they got to a point perhaps in their last year where uh, their last year of working together when things were not as logical a progression and they started stumbling over themselves because 
uh, they were kind of chasing their own tail for a little bit. And thankfully, A, the music didn't suffer that much in the end. And uh, B, they quit while they were ahead. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, just to, to put a further point on my on what I'm trying to say is, you know, they, they, they gave little bits of, Hey, we're deeper than you might think Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. as they went along. Um, and, um, you know, one example of that is, is the song help, which is only their fifth album, but this is, you got to remember they're putting out two albums a year, plus Mm -hmm. three or four singles that weren't on those albums. And that's how quick they were working. But a song like help, is a lot deeper than, well, the song "Hard Day's Night." You know, it's it's a, because it's a, a, John Lennon says it's one of his most autobiographical songs or earliest autobiographical songs mm-hmm. because he's really talking about how he's in a rut. And um, same with a song like "Nowhere Man," which is mm-hmm. their which is on the next album on Rubber Soul, which to me is when they first started. Uh, you know, everything is a hint of what's about to happen next. Rubber Soul mm-hmm. is a hint of what Revolver's going to be like. And so on and so on and so on. So, um, but the song Nowhere Man, which is not a boy-girl song for the first time in their repertoire. And uh, and um, uh, talking about something, you know, instead of, instead of, what's the Bob Dylan song? Ballad of a Thin Man. Instead of talking about this imaginary man and what a mess he is, like Bob Dylan did in the song I just mentioned, the Beatles say, you know, please listen. You don't know what you're missing. Like, there's more to this life, etc. So uh, those are just examples of that, um, you know, and of course they would go much deeper. And And that's actually a really good example of what I consider the Beatles' spirituality all along is is really is everybody that they wrote about, they wrote with empathy, you know. Like Mm. Eleanor Rigby is the same way, you know. He it's like you think that he's you think they're going to be Bob Dylan and put somebody down, and Mm. they they hardly ever do that. It's always yeah, this person's messed up, but. They deserve to be loved too, and mm. you know they they have feelings too, <laughs> and that's one of the things that is kind of amazing about their music all the way through. Oh. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really important point. Is that compassion that mm-hmm. runs through all of that? Yeah, yeah. And Mid- the, even when you listen to interviews to, to this day with Paul McCartney, you know whenever he gets to talking about that, about you know, the music, there's always something about that. He's always talking about how they tried to be empathetic toward people or, you know, that that was that was always the goal, I guess. Right. And, and another thing that I noticed, too, is that they're never prescriptive. Mm-hmm. They don't shake their finger and say, this is what you need to be doing. They're just talking about, this is my experience of, of what I'm doing, and half the time I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which to me is, is, you know, about as spiritual as you can get, is by absolutely not knowing a bloody yeah. thing. <laughs> or, and, and, and they showed they were paying attention, because they would right. tell all these stories about people that they had to have really been observing 
this person, you know, or even had, if they're fictitious. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, they had to be really observant. You have to 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 write in as much detail as some of the stories that they had. Either they're based on real people, or if they're imaginative, they're like really deeply imaginative and observant. So they just don't ever come across as being like narcissistic rock star kind right. of types. Mitch, before we rolled, before we rolled tape, as it were, on this, you said something about um, the person who looks within is, yeah, what et cetera. Was, what was that? Tell, what's that? What, what was that again? So Carl Jung said that when one who looks outside of themselves dreams, but the one who looks within themselves awakens. Because mm. well, with that in mind, you could you could you could argue that um, what a, a a drunken Beatles friend of mine once referred to as the best rock and roll single ever uh, is uh, would be um, uh, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever, which was John Lennon and Paul McCartney trying to one up each other, mm -hmm. of course, on telling stories about their childhood, and. Uh, Paul's is more observant about an imaginary day in in the neighborhood, the song Penny Lane, where he just very vividly and and whimsically and uh, uh, describes describes you know paints a picture for you. Whereas John Lennon writes the, uh, has this other song, which of course everyone knows about how uh unique sounding it is because it was a great big experiment but it also has lines in it like no one i think is in my tree i mean it must be high or low which john lennon said you know something like uh uh i'm weird therefore i'm either i'm either jesus christ or an idiot <laughs> something like that and um well and let me interrupt real quick too because that's another Jungian concept is this idea of inflation or deflation mm -hmm. that when we're not our best self it's because we're either making the mistake of thinking that we're better than we actually are or we make the even worse mistake of thinking that we're less than we actually are right but at least he, he puts it on the table and says i don't know right yeah mm -hmm. i'm saying that's and why uh, that's you know. and others that's, have said that the point of that song is about the you know the 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 indecision of life with a capital l so um yeah so that's that that and and that actually is kind of regarded by a lot of people as the big turning point but in, in the beatles career and steps towards songs like Within You, Without You, and, and, and getting deeper in, and more blatant about spirituality. And that coincides with with their experimenting with drugs and then rejecting. Now, the Beatles were not saints and continued to use drugs on various on various levels, but they, they did a lot of things as a group. They did a lot of things, or at least still up to that point, that they were all for one and one for all and would do stuff together and so they a lot of their experiences were with all of them and um and so yeah when they got into tm they all did it when, oh, I, I read an interview with paul one time that kind of blew my mind about that because apparently a reporter asked why are you guys going to india or like why are you all going to, you know and paul said well george wants it and whenever one of us wants something the others try to get it for him Hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and in this case, it's enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> so that was all right. Yeah. That they all took turns calling each other, going, "Oh, we've got to go meet Mahesh Yogi because he's because 
it seems interesting. You want to go? Mm, okay. And right. they'd all go do everything together. Yeah, but that starts off kind of whimsical. But, I mean, it, it was life-changing, right? Mm -hmm. It was life-changing. Um, so, real quick, we want to wrap it up because we want to give people a, a reason to come back and see us on Sunday to extend the conversation. But real quick, last question is, what's, uh, what's one song that you think is emblematic of the spirituality of the Beatles? Like, just pick one. And for me, I'm, I'm going to go dibs... Uh, I'm going to go All Things Must Pass. Because when I say Beatles, I'm talking solo career, the whole nine yards. And I think All Things Must Pass is the ultimate in radical acceptance. And mm. Mm -hmm. so that, that's, that's my pick for today. That's a good one. I, I'll go with All You Need Is Love. It's a, oh, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a toss up between that and Let It Be, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to pick just one. No. As a lot of people who are listening to this probably know that my group and I did have been doing 50th anniversary Beatles shows for the last couple of years, and the one we're plugging Sunday night is the last one. So last year we did um, we did 1968 and uh, didn't do all of 1968, but scrambled all the songs up and as as you do closed out the closed out the show with Hey Jude and uh, and uh, a friend of mine came up afterwards and said. Um, Man, that was church. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, you know, with Hey Jude, not only is it such a wonderful, powerful message, not on a religious level, but on a spiritual level of you're going to be all right, everything mm -hmm. is cool, just take a deep breath and go for it. And then they basically do they do a mantra for the last three and a half minutes of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Na, 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 na. Right. And so, um, and it's got a gospel feel on a musical level. There, I can't think of anything except maybe the weight by the band. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Any, I can't think of a pop song that had that groove to it. Yeah. And I don't know if the weight came out before that or not. But, um, no. but it sounds like a country gospel song or something. Da do da do da. You know that kind of Beatles mid tempo thing. Um, I can't think of anything else that sounded like it, so it's so it broke a lot of ground. Yeah. But anyway, well, and I, you Good know, choice. until you and I had talked about, it, I never really thought about the lyrics to "Hey Jude." I just thought it was kind of a silly song. But no. when I when I learned the words, and my favorite line is, "The movement you need is on your shoulder." Like yeah. that sounds so spiritual. I mm -hmm. love that. Yeah. I love that. And we have a funny story about that that we'll tell you on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> what's, so what's your song, Mitch? Uh, within you, without you, because in that song. Harrison was doing two things, you know, kind of showing the difference between the material world and the spiritual world. Right. But also he, he, he sort of mixes Hindu philosophy with, with, with Christian teaching. There's a, a text by Jesus in there, um, people who gain the world lose their soul. Right. And so that was kind of all woven in there. And a lot of Harris, Harrison did that a lot where he, it's like there are many rivers. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, there are many streams, but they all go to one river. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that, that was always his approach. Right. You know, a lot, probably half of America that, that grew up on Sgt. Pepper would attest mm -hmm. to this, but but uh, that was the song you skipped over a lot when you were a kid, <laughs> either because it was too weird or too Indian or too heavy or whatever. Um, and, uh, and now I anyone that tries to, 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 to give me that jive now, I say, no, man, it's the best song on the record. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's yeah, the most it's the most musically complex song, and it's uh, and it's just completely heavy and and sets the tone for that the last half of that mm -hmm. that collection of songs. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, we need to wrap it up for now, but the conversation continues Sunday at one o'clock till 2.30 or until three or whenever we get tired. But uh, don't forget to get onto the website, buy your tickets for that, only $12. And uh, also, as long as you're at it, buy tickets for the show that night at the Vista Room. Kenny Howes and friends are going to be doing Let It Be and Abbey Road live, horns, strings, percussion, the whole nine yards. You're gonna love it. Um, so thanks again to Lee Flyer and especially for letting us record here at Radio Flyer Studios. Uh, Kenny Howes, Rabbi Mitch Cohen, and uh, Deb, give us that URL one time. For the, to, to, for the Sunday uh, Beatles chat. September 29th, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, September 29th. ZGATL.org forward slash Beatles. And there's links on there to the Vista Room if you want to get tickets for the show as well. Um, so here's what you're going to find out. If you come to the workshop on Sunday, you're going to find out who exactly is Sexy Sadie. What's that about? <laughs> who is Prudence and why is she so dear? And uh, we're going to talk more about the loss and grief and its place in the Beatles' music and a whole lot more. So come on down and we will see you then. <laughs>